Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about crop rotation restrictions. If you've got any questions about that or anything that's happening on your farm, you can give us a call here, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphd media, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, so the reason why we're talking about this today is much of the Midwestern United States has suffered from moderate to severe drought this year. In our area, this is three years of three full years of drought now. So basically, we experienced the last half of 2020 super dry. 21, dry. 22, dry. 2023, we're something like, I don't know, seven, eight, nine inches behind normal right now for precip again. <laughs> so it's getting a little frustrating. But here's the whole thing. When you're using herbicides, you got to be real careful about which ones you're using, and you got to use some common sense. Here's what I mean. Right on the label, you can look and it will tell you how many months you have to wait until you plant a certain crop. Now, in some cases, it will say do a field bioassay, which basically means take some of the soil and try to grow out whatever plants you're trying to grow out. But in my book, that's a disaster waiting to happen because here's the whole thing. You can grow stuff out. How do you know that by growing it out, you're getting 240 bushel corn or 230 bushel corn? You see what I'm saying here? If you were going to suffer a 10 bushel yield loss, that's $50 an acre. $50 an acre. <laughs> I just think about a couple of generations ago, um, if they had $50 an acre, period, for their gross income, they would have said, oh, yeah, hey, that's, that's not bad. Well, look, I, I'm just trying to say here, if the label says something, I, I get it. You got to follow the label. And I, I kind of look at it with rotational restrictions as that's the minimum. Now, beyond that, what I want you to think about is this. Have you been dry? Have you been, let's say, flooded out? Maybe you sprayed late. Maybe you've been really cold. So let's put it this way. If you're a farmer in North Dakota that has much colder temperatures than a farmer in Alabama, does that change how many months it will take to break down your herbicide? You bet it does. How about rainfall? How about soil type? How about when you've sprayed it? All those things are important. So we're going to talk about those things as we go throughout the show today. Right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, Brian, uh, crop rotation restrictions certainly can be impacted and so can performance of crop protection products by drought or other weather conditions. Got this one that came in from Jeff over in Minnesota. He said, I got a fungicide question for you guys. We used a full rate of Zyway in the starter through the conceal system on the planter. Three inches off the row, uh, one and a half inches deep, both sides of the row. Rain's been scarce again this year, and the crop shows no sign of leaf or stalk disease. Stocks we cut open right now look clean with solid white pith top to bottom. I'm just wondering, does the efficacy of the Zyway product become longer 
under dry conditions when it's working inside the plant? I know it can impact foliar, but what about the the zyway we put on that's now inside the plant? We finally got a little bit, or oh, good to see you guys finally got some rain. Thanks, Jeff. Okay, if you've got any pesticide in the soil, the less rain you have, the slower the uptake into the plant. Now that can be good and it could be bad. It can be good in that, let's say it is a fungicide or maybe a herbicide, you have residual later in the season. In terms of once it's in the plant, just because it's been drier or wetter, is it going to break down faster? I mean, maybe a little bit if you have better and faster growth, but usually the moisture in the soil isn't going to impact the fungicide once it's inside the plant uh, too much. So I'm, I, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of difference there. I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way. Does the Zyway last pretty long? Yes. But also keep in mind, because you've had drier weather than normal, that means you will likely see fewer diseases than normal. So not only did the Zyway probably work anyway, but you're disease pressure was a little bit lower, so that's why pretty much any fungicide you would have used may have looked better this year compared to normal. All right, thanks for the question. Get this one from Sandy, and Sandy said you guys were talking about corn and reproductive stages, and then you were talking about some differences with maturity. So I'm curious, could you explain the pros and cons when farmers are choosing corn from 115-day corn down to the 80-day corn or 95-day corn on the early side? What's the What are the pros and cons? Well, I, I guess the the first thing that I always want to focus on is profit. So I'm trying to think of who I was talking to just today. Oh, I know it was who it was. Uh, it was a farmer out in Idaho. And basically they had a first cutting of some type of hay, took that off, and then they planted an early maturing corn after that. Now, granted, the corn isn't going to be as high yielding when you're planting late and when you're planting after a hay crop, but still that allowed them to get two crops in this year. So by the time you add those two things together, could it have been the same as raising a long day corn that will normally yield more? Uh, maybe. Uh, maybe it might have been even more, but that's just what they wanted to do for their um, for getting feed and having that uh, that crop on their farm. Anyway, the, the biggest advantage to longer day corn is typically it's going to yield more. It also seems to survive things like drought and basically environmental issues, heat better because it's got a long time for everything to happen. When you get to down to 80, 85 day corn, maybe 75 day, it doesn't have much time for things to happen. So if you have a smaller weather event, it can have more impact negatively on that crop. Um, the other thing, a lot of people talk about cover crops. If you raise a full season crop like 115 day corn, you probably don't need a cover crop if you're harvesting right when the snow flies. Stay tuned. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Did you know 20% of stored corn is overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for as little as $2,100 per bin with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG. Learn more at farmshopmfg.com. 
Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hardworking Lucento fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual mode of action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucento fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com for hardworking control in your fields. Always read and follow all legal directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. And our topic is crop rotation restrictions as we get into August and harvest nears on some crops and fall planting also nears on others. We start thinking about some of the crop rotation restrictions with many of the crop protection products that you may have used or are con- considering still using this year. So if you've got questions on that, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, and you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Sit down to Mississippi State. We've got Jason Bond on with us right now. How's it going, Jason? Oh, we're doing good. Hope y'all are doing well also. You bet. We sure are. And, you know, we're, we're nearing the end here on corn and soybeans. We're also nearing that last cutting on alfalfa up here. So we're, we're thinking about crop rotational restrictions. How about down in Mississippi when you've got a longer growing season, you've got a little different rotation going on. Uh, what are guys most concerned about with crop rotation restrictions there? I think the, if you're talking about year-to-year crops, so spring crop to spring crop, probably the ones that have the most uh, history there are the ALS inhibitors. Uh, which we don't use a whole lot of anymore because of the ALS resistance that we have in most of our Palmer amaranth populations. But we have some pre-mixed residual products that still have uh, classic in them at times. And then we still use quite a few different ALS products uh, on our rice acres, most of which would be rotated to soybean the following year. And so that one's got kind of a long and colorful history and, and naturally like anything else, the length of those restrictions varies with the soil texture and the soil pH and, and timing of application, uh, but, but some of them are pretty lengthy, particularly on our higher pH soils, which are fairly common uh, due to the irrigation water. We have some artificially high pHs in places that can be, you know, 8 to 8.5 at, at times. 
Yeah, that is an interesting point to, to bring up. We see a lot of difference depending on what soil you're going on. I know we also ha have some growers that are near large livestock operations, and they say, we've got a lot of salt out there. It probably hurts our microbial activity because we don't see uh, herbicides breaking down as fast as, as they do in other parts of the farm. Do you notice that big difference with certain chemistries then in low pH in addition to high pH if you just get – a long ways out of range. Maybe it's way down into the low fives or upper fours on, on the low pH side. Maybe it's way up into the eights or mid eights on the high side. Well, we certainly have more of the high than the low. Uh, and again, those, uh, those ALS inhibitors are the ones that we can see to get really injurious on that high side. So I don't have as much experience on the low side. An example I'll give you that's different but related uh, the other one I think that has the most or gets the most attention in our geography is pomesithin, so reflex, flex star, prefix. And in the years where we have uh, drier winters, which is rare for us, but in 2010 and 2011, we had back-to-back -back really dry winters. Of course, that was pre-extend, pre-enlist, and we were using a lot of pomesithin targeting palmer amaranth. We had quite a bit of, of carryover challenges in our corn uh, in the spring, both of those years. You know, we get questions about some of the tough weeds in non-crop areas and also in pasture-type situations, and we hear guys talking about amino pyrrolid and picloram and some of those long-lasting products they're going after, thistles or, or uh, brush species and, and different things. Do you see much issue with those with guys that are in Bermuda grass or, or other fields where they may be rotating uh, into some different things down the road? We don't do much of that. There are parts of our state where we might have a, a pasture that gets rotated into soybeans, and so there's a potential problem there. Where I have seen those types of uh, problems more often is with some type of oxen herbicide that uh, the roadside has been treated with, and then we get a big rain, and maybe some of that if the road roadbed is, is built up higher than the field. Uh, you know, due to low-lying areas, maybe that herbicide washes off the bank and, and backs out in the field a little bit. That's more often where I have seen that, and I've seen it a, a few times in the years I've been doing this. There, that's but one that, but definitely amino amino pyrrolid soybeans definitely do not like amino pyrrolid. No, they sure don't. They sure don't. I, I know sometimes guys will ask, "Well, right along my my pasture, I've got something right in the fence line here." Well, oftentimes it was, "Well, you saw some thistles in the fence line, and you tried to reach the boom over and and get that, and you got out into the field just a little bit." It's you never know what you're going to see out there. There's there's some crazy stuff. We've actually seen some stinger where guys have gone with high rates of stinger the year before. Uh, clopyrrolid carrying over into crop and, and seeing it cup up soybean leaves a, a lot like dicamba has done. Uh, do you use a lot of stinger down in Mississippi? Not as stinger. Uh, Resicor, which is a premixed product that has clopyrrolid in it, it's, it's gotten some traction in our geography the last few years, but the rate is lower and, and mainly for that reason because People have told me, and not not in my time uh, at Mississippi State, but I, I think in the past, Clopirla had caused some trouble, and it just was not a product of interest for us for a long time. And then Corteva, you know, premixed that that Resicor product, and so we have some growers that use it, but it 
among our big corn premixed herbicide products, it would be, you know, third or fourth even. I, I'm just guessing on that. Yeah, the premixes are always interesting. You really got to find out what's in there for the different components and at what rate because, yeah, as you mentioned, sometimes those those rates can be pretty high and sometimes not. So just have to see what that's going to be. The rate is definitely going to influence how long those products are going to stick along to or stick around to. We're talking with Jason Bond down at Mississippi State. Jason, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on today. Sure. Always a pleasure. You bet. I've got Brian with us right now over in Indiana with burr cucumber. Oh, no, Brian, I don't like that weed. <laughs> that makes two of us, and I'm guessing your partner next to you doesn't like it either. Uh, no, he's not too happy about that one either. For, fortunately, that isn't <laughs> one in our area that's a, that's a real big issue. I, I can't say we've had to fight that one here, but uh, we, we do talk to a lot of growers that do, and this time of year is when we normally get those calls. It's I've got 10-foot-tall corn, and the burr cucumber's outgrowing it. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got some had a neighbor retired last year, and uh, he told me he had a burr cucumber problem, and I, I knew he did, and um, just didn't didn't really take the precautions last year that I should have to uh, really do much of anything. Um, but then this year I've tried, uh, you know, myself uh, to do some things about it, but that only goes so far. But uh, uh, my, my question in you know, relation to chemicals was, um, you know, this would potentially be off-label. But, uh, <laughs> you know, my grandfather tells me that he used to use uh, a more than 2X rate of atrazine but to get rid of burr cucumber, but he can't remember how many years of corn he would plant after right. that. You know, obviously he didn't just go straight to beans, but... Um, you know, I I think my rainfall's in that forty inches a year sure. area. Um and then you know, my other idea was to maybe use um an HPPD and then plant the uh L L G T twenty seven beans the next year. I, I, I don't yeah. know. I just really really want to try to do my best to get moving in the right direction on this. I know it's not gonna be fixed in one or two years, but uh don't want to don't want to make a second mistake in the process either though. Okay, let me ask you this: What did you what did you do this year for herbicide? Uh, Resicor um, with uh, atrazine and glyphosate on my corn. Uh, a one pass post program um, worked worked ground. Not that that matters for the for cucumber. And then on the soybeans, it was. Um, uh, Oh, what's the uh, Valor and First Fierce? Rate Premix? Oh. Surveil. Uh, yes, Sorry, there surveil. you go. Yep. Yep, Surveil and then uh, Zidua and then posted with uh, Enlist, Glyphosate, and uh, Warrant. All right. I'll tell you what, Brian, if you hang on through this break, we'll answer your question and hopefully help you solve this burr cucumber problem. Stay tuned. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experienced the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. 
and soybean aphids rain at ridgeback.corteva.us. The hard-working independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example. Talk openly and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. There's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC Herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 Herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. Are you ready? We got the need! The need for seed treatment! Start your engines! Ready, set, Intego! Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. From mowing to loading or even moving snow, a compact utility tractor is ready for any task. During the CNB Summer Blowout event going on now, get yours for zero money down and 0% interest for 84 months. This offer won't last forever, so check out your nearest CNB or learn more at DeerEquipment.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today just talking about crop rotational restrictions and answering your calls and questions. So right before the break, we're talking with Brian from Indiana, and this really plays right into our crop rotation restrictions because basically his first question was, how much atrazine can I use to stop bird cucumber? When should I use it? Um, how about the rotation? All that kind of stuff. So um, Brian, let, let me just first say, as agronomists, we can't recommend anything off-label, as you know. But I will just tell you, like, for <laughs> atrazine, you can use ridiculously high rates, and it's not going to hurt the corn. But the the legal limit, and you can double-check your label for your atrazine you're using, but it should be two pounds per acre. But once you start going over a pound per acre, even in your area, I'm getting real worried about rotating back to soybeans. Um, in our area where we're drier, we'll typically tell guys a half a pound and that's it. Here's the other thing that makes atrazine last longer. Poor soil life or and or high soil pH. So if you have 
soil pH, especially over 7.4, then the atrazine seems to stick around longer and it has more negative impact on the next year's crop. So we like atrazine in the program for burr cucumber. Now, if it's my farm, I'm going to do one of two things. Either I'm going to bump the rate and I'll use pound and a half or maybe two pounds. I probably won't, but if I was to do that, I'm for sure going back to corn and I tell you the same thing. Uh, and there is no soybean. Well, you mentioned like LGT27s that are tolerant to HBPD. There's no soybean we have in the world that is tolerant to atrazine. So you're kind of stuck on that deal. So yeah, I'd, I'd still tell you use a little atrazine. I'd use it post rather than pre personally. And then the biggest thing I'm going to tell you in your corn program is I'm going two shot. I, 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 I never recommend just a one shot program anyway, but especially when we're talking about something like burr cucumber, I'm going two shots. So I like having an, an HPPD out there pre uh, balance flex has been really good. I'm not saying the Callisto that's in atrazine is bad, but I'd probably go with Balance Flex Pre, and then I would go at maybe a Group 15 just to help on grass and some other broadleaves and stuff like that. But here's the other thing that you could do. You could go Sharpen, uh, so like Verdict is Sharpen plus Outlook. So that would be another option as well. So let me just put together the Cadillac program for you. If it's me, I'm probably going Verdict down, then I'm coming post-emerge with status and an HPPD and atrazine. And then that's going to give me residual to later in the year. The other thing I'm going to look at is if you continue to have a problem, in whether we're talking corn or soybeans, I would consider, and I know this is a big step, but I would consider narrowing my rows and going with higher populations. Darren and I have been talking about this a lot lately because we're raising some conventional soybeans on our farm, and obviously we don't have a lot of weed control options. I'll tell you what, though, if you go narrow rows and you go higher populations, you don't have near as many weeds just because you have better crop canopy. In soybeans, you mentioned Surveil, and that's not bad. Yeah, you've got uh, Valor and First Rate in there, both good products on it. You're missing Metribuzin, though, so I'd absolutely get Metribuzin out there. Uh, that's a real key. And then post-emerge, I, I mean, I don't really have any big problem with your Enlist Warrant glyphosate thing. It's just you're probably going to have to go with a later shot. Roundup is labeled all the way up to R2. That's full flower. Uh, classic is another thing that you could do that's an ALS herbicide. I, I, I'm always hesitant because in high pH soils, carryover can be bad, but you can use a third of an ounce of classic post-emerge too, and that would absolutely help you. So I know I've thrown a lot of stuff out at you on our Ag PhD Field Guide app. Um, so it's a free download for your smartphone. It kind of runs through a lot of these things. Uh, so that's the Ag PhD Field Guide app. But yeah, if you've got any more specific questions, you can email us or whatever, and we can put some stuff in writing for you. But that's th th those are the main things that I would tell you. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for the call. Talking about crop rotation restrictions on today's program, we've got Megan Anderson with us right now with Iowa State. And Megan, do you do you get to fight much burr cucumber down in Iowa? We do. It really depends on the area of the state you're in. Uh, but in particular in northeast Iowa, I get a lot of phone calls from that area, even though it's not my territory. 
about bur cucumber especially and there's a lot of guys working really hard to fight it up there yeah it does not sound like a fun one to fight and you know you kind of get into some of these things like uh like what our last caller had for a question where the crop rotation restrictions on he wanted to use a lot of atrazine that's that's not going to be pretty if you want to come back with soybeans in a lot of cases absolutely and you know in the majority of iowa we don't have issues that we do in that sort of central and north central part of the state in the, the Des Moines lobe where we have a lot of calcareous soils and that's that's where really my area and that's where we really need to watch out for things like those high rates of atrazine especially because like you guys noted I like to see atrazine in a post application due to the effectiveness on our problem weeds like water hemp but then of course the higher rates can present a potential problem when we are rotating back to soybean that following year and especially we're fighting water hemp so hard that then we're putting metribuzin in in a lot of cases in the soybean program, and that just can kind of further compound that issue. So they're really important to pay attention to. Yeah, one that, that I've talked to a number of farmers with burr cucumber, they said they really like classic or chlorimuron, and that's in some premixes. But, man, if you've got high pHs, that, that can carry over for quite a while, too. I I know I've, I've seen that in fields enough times to just get a little cautious of using it in our geography with as many high pH spots as there are. Absolutely. And, and like I said, luckily for most of us here in our central part of the state where we have those higher pHs, it's... It's not such a big issue, but I, I know a lot of farmers up in northeast Iowa that they're really hitting it hard in that soybean year because they can see it. Uh, they're even going out on bird cucumber and doing things like hand roping because the big issue with it is, of course, that it emerges so late and it tolerates shade so well and then just kind of slowly creeps up, especially on the corn. And by the time you realize you have a problem, it's, it's often far too late to do much good against it. Well, there are a lot of tough weeds out there anymore, and I think about late-season water hemp and late-season palmer, and we, we're always flooded with questions about, what can I still spray? This stuff keeps coming, and but there isn't much left when once you get to August, is there? Oh, definitely not, right? Once, Especially once we get into those uh, reproductive stages in corn and soybean, we're, we're really cut off from virtually every herbicide, whether it be from a uh, just a growth stage restriction uh, or a pre-harvest interval or a potential rotation issue going to the rotational crop the following year. Uh, and so really at this point in the season, um, there's not a lot of data on these really late herbicide applications in either corn or soybean. But I know in corn, I've talked to a lot of guys that are interested in those sort of, um, you know, R4 brown brown silk, depending on which 2,4-D label you have to look at, trying to at least reduce some of the seed production in water hemp because it is, it, it was nasty this year in our state. You know, so much of, so much of Iowa ends up being corn production or soybean production. There aren't uh, quite as many crops in the, in the rotation as say a farmer in California or a farmer in North Dakota has got. Uh, what are some of the major uh, crop rotation restrictions you run into? I'm guessing late applications of Flexstar in beans. Uh, are, are there some other ones that are kind of common? Uh, late applications of Flexstar, and definitely it kind of waxes and wanes depending on how um, our growth regulators are doing and what part of the state you're in. Uh, things in corn, certainly with our drier years that we've had recently, we have seen some issues uh, not even necessarily related to uh 
particular rotation restriction, but just because of the dry conditions, seeing more problems with maybe some of our HPPDs carrying over and even products like clopyrrolid that are typically used free or very early post in corn, uh, but soybeans are very sensitive to. And so kind of seeing those come around again in that soybean year. Um, but uh, those are probably the biggest ones that I run into in my area anyway. Yeah, the dry years make things no fun. I know we talked to farmers in Montana, and they're like, I'm two years after an application. I still have some issues. And uh, farmers in Iowa and the Dakotas that are fighting some drought, and, of course, Nebraska the last few years and beyond have run into some, some strange issues with things they haven't had a problem with before. I've been talking with Megan Anderson here with Iowa State. Megan, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Corn rootworms are called the billion-dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Stewart EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. Choose Stewart EC Insecticide from FMC. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. When it comes to protecting your field from disease and environmental stress, there's Revitech fungicide. <laughs> and there's everything else. When it comes to unparalleled power, there's Revitech. <laughs> and everything else. And when it comes to speed and stamina, this is Revitech. And this is everything else. Nothing else comes close to Revitech fungicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions.
You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio, taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Talking about crop rotation restrictions today, and it, it kind of brings to mind some of the things going on late season, one of them being bad weather events. And unfortunately, our next guest, Ryan, down in Kansas, uh, had one of those events hit his farm. Ryan, how you doing? Good. How are you guys? Well, good. Well, I'm glad to hear you're still positive, Ryan. After the pictures you sent <laughs> us, that's uh, pretty easy to get depressed over that. Yep. Yep, it is. All right, why don't you tell the story for our, our listeners. What what happened, and, and uh, what's your question? Oh, on Monday we had a hailstorm that come through. It was golf ball-sized hail. Of course, there was smaller stuff, too, but it it just seemed like it wouldn't stop hailing. It, it must have hailed for 30 minutes and uh, went straight right across our whole farm. So That is anyway, tough. Anyway, my question, yeah. So My you sent you sent is, pictures of corn here that looks like it's at about R three and uh, stripped the leaves, of course, but also man, really damaged some of the ears and and the stalks that you yep. sent picture of. Now Brian said, "I'm hoping that that's the worst stuff that Ryan sent us." But is this kind of everywhere, or or are these just a few of the worst examples? Those are those are about oh maybe every fifth or sixth plant would be like that and then the rest of them are bruised there's a bruise you know on the uh, uh corn ear where where it's you know i'm just scared it's gonna start uh smutting up real bad and i don't know if i think there's still gonna be enough corn out there i'm gonna have to pick it but i didn't know if spraying some fungicide on it would would slow that down and, and help or if it would just be kind of a waste of money. Uh, you're real late. That's the thing. Once you're at R3, to say that spraying a fungicide on corn is going to be a big benefit, I seriously doubt it. Now, here's here's the thing, Ryan, because I'll be honest, Darren and I are usually not believers in hardly anything until we try it on our farm. And so a lot of people say, well, you can't do that. It's not going to work. They, uh, don't Don't give that a try. We usually try it on a small scale then and prove to ourselves. And then we go, oh, okay, I guess, well, people were right. So if it's me and I can do a little bit, I I would consider doing a little bit. Do I think it's going to pay? No. Uh, but if the same exact thing happened on my farm, and we, we have probably, I don't know, 2,500 acres of corn. If, it, if the same thing happened on our farm, I'm, I'd try... 100, 200 acres of maybe the worst of it, and I would uh, just see and go from there. So I don't, like I say, I don't think it's going to gonna pay this late. But when you say I, I, I'm going to have to harvest it and I'm going to get something, you might get more than you think. We've had hail almost that bad uh, this later, later, and we've still ended up with a fair amount. So if you look at the hail charts that are out there, so I always tell people when they call about hail, I just say, just do a quick internet search for Iowa State hail charts, whether it's corn or soybeans, and just put that into, and then you can look right at their information. They have a hail machine where they shoot that hail at the crops at all different stages and they track the yield and the insurance companies get all this data too. The later you go, 
So, for example, if you get hail at Tassel, that's much more harmful than if you get hail at R3. So the, the, the corn ear has already been fed for a long ways. So all you have to do is basically finish it up and you don't have, it's, it's just, it's not as bad. So I'll just tell you what the chart says, for example, even if you lost 60% of your leaf area at R3, 60%, they only say 24% yield loss. Now, granted, if your stalks are super damaged and you get smut in there, that's a little bit different deal. So we don't know how that's going to pan out. We just have to hope for the best from here on out. But I guess the, those are kind of our thoughts. Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of stock damage. You can, I think I sent a picture of some of the stocks. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it looks bad. It looks and they, bad. And they fall over pretty easy if you, if you bump them. Sure. So. Yep. Yep. So yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, And, you know, as farmers, it seems like everybody sooner or later gets hail. We all have to go through it. And yeah, so the, the whole thing too, that I guess I wanted to say is when you spray this fungicide, you know, it's not going to fix that damage to stock it. And so that's part of why I'm, I'm just thinking it's probably not going to pay, but I would try maybe a little bit and just see, and you go from there. Okay. All yeah. right. Hey, good luck, right. Ryan. And, uh, yeah, hopefully you don't get any more of that that uh, hard white stuff uh, next year. <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> okay. Thanks, guys. You bet. We'll see you. Uh, hey, Darren, we had another uh, comment come in on burr cucumber, and I don't think I have a name on this one. But, anyway, they said... Back here in the east where we have burr cucumber, we also use some peak herbicide post-emerge, and that seems to do a fairly good job on suppression. Okay, so peak is an ALS herbicide, and and so we talked about some other ALS herbicides, at least for soybeans. We didn't really, I don't think, get into uh, ALS herbicides for corn, other than Resicor would have an ALS in there. But in soybeans, we mentioned first rate, and I mentioned classic. Okay, so ALS herbicides do seem to have some activity on burr cucumber. The problem with peak is the residual is very long. And so here again, this fits great with our topic today, which is crop rotational restrictions. So you can look right on the label and you'll see with peak, it's a long time. I'll be honest, I've never once recommended peak ever because I worry too much that somebody's going to forget. They're going to plant their own crop out there even a couple years later, and they're going to have a problem. So one of the things when I was a young agronomist, I was talking to my dad who's a lifelong farmer, and he's like, okay, Brian, when you're making recommendations as an agronomist, just always keep this in mind. It's no big deal if you tell somebody to use a herbicide and it doesn't quite kill all the weeds. You know, you can go respray. And quite frankly, how much yield are you going to lose if you just got a few weeds left out there? It's not that big a deal. But he said on the flip side, if you make a recommendation and somebody hurts their crop next year or worse yet, the year after, uh, now you got a problem. So make sure you're always conservative on that end of things. And so I always have been. Plus the fact that I've talked to too many people that have had problems before with this whole crop rotational thing. So yeah, Peak is a product you're never going to hear us talk about here on the show or recommend, and that's the reason why. All right. Thanks for the questions. Um, Brian, we had another question that had come in here. Um, 
This one's from Diego down in Argentina, and he said, Hey, guys, I'm going to plant corn next month, and I'm wondering what would be my best initial nitrogen level that I should have for corn. We expect to be rainy. We normally get 48 inches annually, so I'm, I know I'm going to have to split apply my N. How do you start off on corn in a rainy environment? We start off by looking at the cation exchange capacity in the soil, and we say, Hey, most soils can hold roughly 10 times their CEC. So if we soil test and we go, all right, we got a 10 CEC, that'll hold about 100 pounds. If you've already got 20 pounds sitting out there, we'd probably apply 80. That's what we would do. Yeah, so you test, test for nitrate, test for your organic matter content, test your CEC, see how much you could hold, see how much you're going to get for free from the organic matter, and... Yeah, then see what you've got out there to start with. Yeah, and the lighter the soil and the rainier environment you're in, the more you have to be careful about this stuff. Honestly, where we farm, we don't have to be super careful. Our soil's super heavy, and it seems to never rain. So we're not getting nitrate leaching. It's it's really not a big deal for us. But everybody's different, and just kind of keep that in mind. And then if let's assume that your soil is relatively light, we know you get lots of rain, that means that you're going to have to keep kind of monitoring things as the season goes. You never want your crop to run short on nitrogen, but by the same token, if you throw out, let's call it 200 pounds to the acre, and it, uh, it, you only use up 50 or 60, and then the rest leaches away, well, that's not good for your pocketbook. It's not good for the environment. That's not the way we want to go either. So yeah, in-season nitrate testing when the crop's growing and then making some more applications is going to be worthwhile. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. The success of next year's harvest begins with this year's harvest. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. 360 chain roll is a simple replacement stalk roll for your corn head. Chain roll doubles the rate of stalk breakdown. It crimps and cuts tough stalks to boost microbial activity and speed breakdown. And compared to chopping heads, it reduces emergence issues in next spring's crop. C360 Chain Roll in action at 360yieldcenter.com. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot com. 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall in the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio, and our phone lines are open for your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Hey, Brian, I, uh, I was just looking on social media, and I saw our friend Gavin Spore had posted, do you run fungicide on June-planted soybeans? They're just starting to flower here, so they're R1 to R2, and uh, you get a ton of responses and people are saying, absolutely get out there, get in the rain. You got a good crop coming. Of course you do. And, and other guys saying, yep, I definitely do on my beans and I get a nice response. And then I got an email question here. Uh, also from Northeast Missouri, this one is from Tim and he sent a picture of his soybeans. And I'm assuming, uh, since he's in virtually the same area as Gavin, that they're at roughly the same stage, but that stage of being is going to determine a lot here, Tim, for your question. So Tim said, I, I've just started listening to your podcast. So I wonder if you can give me some ideas on a herbicide for my soybeans. I currently have an outbreak of pigweed on a couple of my fields. The rest of them look really clean. The first pass, uh, I sprayed June 15th with my residual and glyphosate and 2,4-D. Then I spot sprayed the pigweed with Enlist 1 six weeks ago. But it didn't seem to bother these weeds too much, and he sent some pictures. Now, the weeds have overgrown the soybeans. And judging by uh, Gavin's picture, you're looking at foot-and-a-half-tall beans. If weeds are taller than the beans, there is absolutely nothing to Tim's picture? Yeah, and Tim's picture here. Well, I, I, I was also referencing Gavin had posted something online, too, and he's from the same area. So I'm assuming those beans are fairly close. So let's just say your beans are starting to flower now. Let's say you're at R1. That is the last time that a guy can spray Liberty. It's the last time a guy can spray Enlist 1. Yep. And that you got to go, okay, so so here's the thing. If they're Enlist beans, which we know, um, then you're going to want to go spray Liberty plus Enlist 1. As And again, as long as these beans are not past R1, you are on label to do that. So R1 is first flower. Um, I just say this, those weeds are massive. Um, there's nothing that's going to kill them. You're going to do good with the Enlist One and Liberty, but here's the thing. We got to change up what's happening in the future. So I'll, I'll put it to you this way. I was just working on some training I'm going to do for agronomists. So for a whole bunch of agronomists next week. And I, I'm, I'm almost to the point where I will tell farmers and agronomists, please don't plant soybeans unless you're going to go out there with the three pre's. I mean, if you're not going to be willing to invest money pre-emerge 
on a great herbicide, then it's you're just going to struggle so much because water hemp's so bad, Palmer pigweed's so bad, and kochia's so bad. I've been driving around the Midwest here the last few weeks, and oh my gosh, it just makes me sick to my stomach, all the weeds that I see. And knowing that we can do more, we can do better, and it doesn't cost that much money. So here's our advice to you. Uh, first of all, yes, enlist one liberty. That's what you got to do right now. But you're 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 still going to be disappointed after you do this, and you're going to go, man, I spent this money, and now you know it's it's okay at best. And 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 again, just because I want to make sure you're on label here, that's only up through R1. At R2, you don't have much for options. You got glyphosate, you got Cobra. That's about it. And yeah, don't count on much. So for next year, here's what you do. You start with the three pre's. That means a yellow, either trifluralin if you're going to work it, or prowl if you're no-till. You add metribuzin to it, and then you go either authority or valor with it. Okay, don't use sharpen. Don't use anything else. The, 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 this is it. Don't let anybody else tell you, oh, well, you can do this for the three. No, you can't do anything else. This is it. Okay, I Anyway, then post-emerge, you come with something like, let's call it Warrant Ultra, Anthem Max, whatever. So you get a group 15, plus you get a PPO. And the PPO is going to be Flexstar, like in Warrant Ultra, or Cadet in Anthem Max. I don't care which group 15 it is, but anyway, you come with something like that. So early post, you got a group 15 plus PPO. So now you've got five residual herbicides out there, and you're going to do really good. It's still, unfortunately, not going to be perfect, but it's going to be really good. Then you can come back later with Enlist One, Liberty, a combination, either or, whatever. I got some good news for you today. You're going to see the all an all-time low price on glufosinate here by September. I'm super excited about that. So for next year, it's going to be less expensive than ever if you want to mix Liberty together with Enlist One in Enlist Soybeans, if you want to mix Liberty together with Dicamba in Extend Soybeans. It's going to be awesome. So anyway, that's what you got to do. All right. Thanks for the for the questions there. Oh, hey, let me, let me just say one other thing too. Uh, as an agronomist and as a farmer, um, I'm super passionate about weed control and I want you to make money. I want you to have clean fields. I want you to have a great crop that's healthy and nutritious and great for the world. So because of my passion, sometimes I'm going to probably give you or anybody else a hard time if you don't have the weeds under control. And if you tell me, well, I did a residual and you know it's one or two modes of action or it's something that I I wouldn't ever recommend. So I, I'm, I'm just saying, um, I, I, I care about you. I want you to do well. Don't think I'm giving you too hard a time. Just in the future, here's how you fix the problem. I'm all for fixing problems. And also, for anybody listening, you probably go, oh my gosh, this guy is crazy. He wants me to use five herbicides and I barely even started my soybean program. Yeah, I do. But with those five Here's what you're going to invest. About 30 bucks. That's two bushels of beans. If our everybody who's listening to this show right now could see the picture that just got sent to us of those weeds, and I, I mean, 
like I was saying, I've been driving all over the Midwest. I could have taken a thousand pictures here in the last month that look just like that too. Um, do you think we're only losing two bushels on yield when the weeds are bigger than the beans? I mean, come on, we're probably losing 20. So to, to give up two bushels for the weed control side, who cares? Get, just do it. It's going to pay. The other thing with that is almost everybody who farms rents ground. When your landlord drives past and sees your field versus somebody else's field, you want yours to be the cleanest. That usually means you get to rent more ground in the future rather than having it taken away from you. And everybody says, oh, prices, you know, somebody's going to outbid me or, you know, it's all based on price. No, it's not. There are probably half the landlords out there that they want a fair price. But you know what they really want? They want their fields to be clean because when they go to the coffee shop with their old farmer friends who are all 70, 80, 90 years old, they want to brag about how great a farmer you are, how clean your fields are, and how great their ground is, that they have the best ground. So just never forget that. I mean, it, I, I realize it's not all about the show, but to some degree, it is. We want everybody to realize we know what we're doing as farmers, and weed control is so visual, it's a really big portion of it. All right. Thanks for the question. I, I get this one in from John over in Minnesota, Brian, and I and John sent a response. Thanks for responding to me. Uh, although I think I confused Darren. I typed CCE. He thought I typed CEC. So what I'm curious about is the calcium carbonate equivalent. So here's the question. Uh, the original question was, I was researching lowering soil pH, ran across this article from another soils lab. And I know you guys have successfully lowered pH with much less than five tons of elemental sulfur. Do you know what CCE your soil was? Where do you find this number on a soil test? And apparently There's... from this other lab, it's not worth trying to do if your CCE is too high. I think... John, I, I was thinking you were confused that they must have been talking about cation exchange There capacity. is no such thing as CCE for a soil. Yeah, we, we would see a calcium carbonate equivalent for a, a sample of lime, right. for example. Right, and if you want to also say, well, hey, a so if a soil has a ridiculous amount of calcium in there, it's harder to change yes, that pH. Yes, if you've got excess calcium, if you've got a very, also yeah. if you have a very heavy soil. If you have a well, high that a lot CPC. of times does mean high calcium, but yeah, I, so no, we're we're gonna look at the the cation exchange capacity. That's what we care about, and there is no such thing as CCE for a soil. Calcium carbonate equivalent is a is a measurement we use for lime. Well, thanks for all the questions today. We sure had fun talking about crop rotation restrictions. If you ever have a specific question for your farm, you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. We'd be happy to help. Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.